0: Hello and welcome to episode five of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today we are going to talk about worship, why and how of worship, and why do we worship God and what the heck is worship in the first place. Let's be honest. What is your gut reaction when you hear the phrase, worship God? Are you visualizing a Sunday morning worship service where people are singing And it's kind of like a concert setup. the lights are dim and people have their arms in the air. Yes, me too. That is what I visualize. That's the first thing I see in my mind when I hear the term worship, people worshiping in a Sunday morning service. That's definitely worship. For sure, that's worship. And it's also so much more than that. I think we need to expand our view of what worship is and how we can go about worshiping God let's go ahead and dig into the why and how of worshiping God. And you know, what is worship? Hey millennial, welcome to the revival podcast for millennial women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what he has to say through studying his words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator, and hoping for some good old fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. As always, I like to begin with a word of prayer, so let's go ahead and open up that way. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about you, to learn more about you, to spend time learning more about worship and how we can connect with you and how we can focus on you and how our devotion can be you. I pray that you would use this podcast to reach many women and that their um, hearts and minds would be open to the idea of worship and that you would teach me as well as you speak through me. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's start with the obvious. What the heck is worship? Because we got to expand our definition here. So when I looked up the definition of worship, I looked in a few different places. I started with the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition, which I think was really useful. And they kind of separated it into two different, into two different parts of speech. So the first was verb. So that would be to worship. And they defined it this way. First, to honor or show reverence for as a divine being or a supernatural power. So it's about showing reverence and honor to God. Second, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. And I like all of those words, respect, honor, devotion towards God. So it's about where our hearts are at and how they're postured towards God or perhaps towards something else that we worship, because I think that we worship constantly, whether we realize it or not. And it just takes a little bit of reorienting to realize what is it that we're worshiping? And then what do we actually want to be worshiping? And hopefully that's God. The second part of speech would be a noun. So the first one they have here is reverence offered a divine being or a supernatural power. Again, that word reverence that deep respect that sense of awe secondly they had it as a form of religious practice with its creed and ritual and we can do those more formal types of worship as christians as well and third as extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to an object of esteem what do we esteem do we esteem god do we esteem other things in our lives do we esteem people Sure, we esteem all kinds of things, but what is the true object of our esteem, our admiration, our respect, our devotion? Who do we show extravagant respect to? Who or what are we devoted to? And I want you to think about that because I've been thinking about that. And I think as we're thinking about those questions, it can really reveal a lot of where our hearts are and what it is that we are worshiping right now even as we go about living our daily lives. The second place I looked was at Strong's Concordance, and I looked up the verb to worship. What does it mean in the biblical sense? And they had it as reverence, worship, adore. I like that word, ad- adore, like adoration. Who do we adore? What do we adore? Where is our focus? Last year, I took this really cool class that I think think that i think you can take in a lot of different locations it wasn't specific to i don't think california or anything like that um it's called perspectives and they do i think they're doing an online version right now because of the pandemic but usually you go in person to take the class and so the first half of this class that i took it was at my church we kind of gathered together and um it was great and then the pandemic hit so then it switched to online but in this perspectives class, they have different speakers come each week. And the point is to help you learn more about missions and about God's work and what he's doing around the world and to understand missional work from different perspectives. That's why it's called Perspectives. It's a very well-fitting name. (laughs) It was very eye-opening for me. One of the speakers that came asked us this question, where is our focus and he challenged us that when we think about where our focus is it really reveals a lot about what we worship and what we care about and so if we can expand our view of worship to be more than just a sunday morning church service more than just singing songs what do we intensely focus on where are our eyes fixed are they fixed on god do we come back to him throughout the day That's what worship is all about. All right, that's what worship is. Now, why do we worship God? That's a great question. (laughs) We should really think about that because we definitely are meant to worship God. So, why do we do that? Um, I really like this scene in Revelation 4. Now, Revelation is not often a book that we flip to right off the bat because there's a lot of very strange things in there, a lot of things that are hard to understand. I do not pretend to understand everything in Revelation, but there is a very clear scene in Revelation 4. And I love this as a picture of what worship is. Revelation was written by the disciple John. It's a book mostly of prophecy. It also had some words for the current churches of the time that he was writing to. And he in this scene is describing the throne room of heaven. So John is seeing all of this, you know, firsthand, and here's how he describes literally God's throne room. Starting in verse three, the one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like Jasper and Carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. And in the center around the throne were four living beings Each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings. And their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the lord god the almighty the one who always was who is and who is still to come whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne the one who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne the one who lives forever and ever and they lay their crowns before the throne and say You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. That's the end of the passage. This is the NLT version. I forgot to mention that. And yes, there's tons of kind of like odd things going on in revelation. You know, I'm not really sure what to make of these different living beings, the ones that look like the different animals that have eyes all over the place. I've seen that illustrated before. And honestly, it's, it's kind of (laughs) strange. Okay. We can admit that that's a little strange. However, what I want to point out here, what I want to focus on is just how holy these creatures, how holy this 24 elders, how much they view God with reverence, And why do they do that? Why is God worthy of that reverence, that adoration, that focus? It's because the Lord in verse 11 created all things. They exist because you created what you pleased. What was God pleased to create? He was pleased to create us, to create the earth, to create all these creatures, to create the angels, to create everything that exists, exists because of God. We exist because of him. We are at our most full when we are worshiping him, focused on him. He is completely worthy of it. He's our creator and nothing exists without him. So does he deserve that respect, reverence, adoration? Of course he does. And he is holy. He's righteous. He's perfect. He is above everything and he sees everything. And he's good. And he's the one who always was, who is, who is and who is still to come he is the alpha and the omega he's always going to exist god is eternal i'm so glad that god is good because if we had an eternal god who was like terrible and <laughs> really really mean and wanted to do terrible things to the things that he created that would be horrible but he doesn't that's not god's character he wants good things for us he wants he wants us to live joy-filled and and fulfilling lives why do we worship god he's worthy of it And also, it's what we're designed to do. Our hearts naturally worship stuff all the time. Where is your focus, your adoration? Where is your devotion? Is it on other things? A lot of the time, yes. I am focused on other things all the time. Do I sometimes get like a little too obsessed with maybe shows on Netflix (laughs) and things like that? Yes, of course. Okay, I'm not saying it's bad to like Netflix shows. I'm just saying that sometimes those things consume me. Sometimes those things absorb all of my focus. Those things become what the Old Testament describes as idols. And back then they were worshiping real idols that were made with human hands that represented gods. But we do this too with all kinds of different things. We worship our spouses or our relationships. We worship our friends. We worship good things that definitely deserve us liking them and Having holding them in high esteem, but do we hold these things in higher esteem than we hold God? Do we put human beings in the place of God? Do we worship them? Of course we do, and that leads to all kinds of bad feelings. (laughs) That leads to a lot of unfulfillment and frustration because those things they never really live up to what we want them to be. So, for example, if we worship our relationships, let's say like I worship my relationship with my daughter. Well, that all feels fine and dandy until my daughter has a bad day. She's four months old. Maybe she cries all day and I start to not feel great because she's put in that place of highest esteem and I'm looking for my affirmation. I'm looking for my value in her. That's not a great idea because she is not going to be able to provide what I need. And in fact, putting that on her is not fair. That's not healthy for her. It's not healthy for me. The only one. Can provide that perfectly for me is God, and that's how we're designed. Let's take a look at Revelation 5. So, this is the chapter after the one I just read. This talks about how Jesus was the one who was slaughtered and ransomed for us. It describes him as the Lamb of God. Starting in verse 13, it says, And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Every creature. Can you imagine every creature? I mean, it doesn't just say all the humans. It says every creature. Can you imagine like fish (laughs) singing? (laughs) Can you imagine like a, a spider singing? I don't know. It's really mind boggling, but it says, that all the creatures of heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea sing this in the throne room, giving honor and glory and power to the one on the throne. When we have this posture of worship, when we give God this focus and we put all of our faith, all of our devotion and deepest adoration to God, we feel fulfilled. We delight ourselves in him. We feel his purpose for us. We get to live in in alignment with what we were designed to do. We were designed because it pleased God. We're designed for him to delight in us and to delight ourselves in him and to have this beautiful back and forth relationship. Do we get to experience that? I know that I lose focus on that all the time and I look to other things and for a while those things can feel good but they don't fulfill me the way that truly worshiping God does. And we're going to spend eternity with God. And I think a lot of that includes worshiping him. Maybe some of that singing, like we're seeing in the throne, the throne room here. And maybe a lot of that is just being in his potent presence. Do you want that? That's what heaven is. Living close in God's presence. No barriers between you. It's what we're designed for. That's ultimately where we will be. I love that right now. And then in a second from now, my focus and my adoration will be somewhere else. And God is gracious to bring me back to him time and time and time again. He does not give up on us. And I don't want this to bring you to a sense of like shame or frustration with yourself. We do depart from God. We do choose other things all the time. But God will bring us back to himself over and over and over again. And when those things disappoint and dissatisfy us, God is right there. He's right there for you. The time in your life when you have felt most loved by God, when you felt his presence most potent, when you felt most in line with him, God already knew everything you would ever do in the future. He already knew everything you would do in the past. He already knew all of your sin. He already knew where your heart was and all the different things you would worship that were not him. And he still loved you that much. That time that you felt so close to him. He fully knew you and he fully loved you. And you can rest in that. But also know that those things that we pursue are not going to be fulfilling. And so when we realize that time and time again, we turn back to God. And how do we do that? How do we worship God? There's tons of different ways. Of course, let's start with the one that we think of most often, which is rejoicing in him, singing songs. My friend D likes to dance at worship services. And she dances just for the Lord. She doesn't care what humans are thinking about her. She dances for God and she does it with joy. It reminds me in the Old Testament of King David. And King David, you know, he's the highest you could go politically. And he danced his heart out for the Lord in public. And he only cared that the Lord was watching. And other people, you know, especially his wife, thought that he should be ashamed of that, but he wasn't because he was doing it for God. And there's all kinds of different ways that we can rejoice and just enjoy God's presence, enjoy worshiping him and giving him credit, giving him adoration and affirmation. We can use our bodies in tons of ways to do that. The Revelation throne scene, they're singing to God. They have their posture of their hearts turned to him. We can write poems. We could do all kinds of things. The Psalms are a great book of the Bible to read if you want to just see people worshiping God, thanking him, praising him, rejoicing in the things that God has done historically, and rejoicing in the things that they know God will do in the future. You'll see that in the Psalms all the time. We might not know exactly what comes in the future, but we know for sure that God will be there and that God will provide and God will keep his promises. Worship can look like spending focused time with him. We can spend time in prayer. We could spend just time thinking about Him, worshiping Him with our thoughts and our mind. We can spend time reading the Bible and really dissecting the words that He's left behind for us. We can worship Him by interacting with Him, giving Him our true focus, setting aside the distractions of our day, and just being in His presence. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything. You just have to like sit there and feel Him, and that's fine too. And maybe you're more of a cerebral person, and you don't feel God as much, and that's totally fine too. Maybe you interact with God by the way that you talk to others about him. Maybe in the way that you enjoy reading your Bible. Maybe in the way that you like to study God. That's awesome, that's also a way to worship him. We can worship God by being obedient to him. And I know the word obedience sometimes can just be like, (laughs) oh, I don't wanna do that, I don't wanna be obedient. A lot of us recoil at that word and I'm with you. But if we have a holy and loving and perfect and tender father who only has our best interests and the best interests of the world at heart, is he going to ask us to do things that are bad? No. So if we live in obedience to him, it's hard. It's definitely super, super hard. And I fail at it constantly. But... It's only going to be good things that bring him honor and glory and promote health and healing of relationships and make the world better, make us better. In John 15, Jesus was talking to his followers and he was giving them all kinds of directions and he was really revealing himself to them. He was explaining a lot about who he was and who he is. Obviously, he's in the present tense as well. And I want to read a couple of verses from John 15. This is Jesus talking. This is verse nine. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment love each other in the same way i have loved you there is no greater love than to lay one's life down for one's friends you are my friends if you do what i command i no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves now you are my friends since i have told you everything the father told me you didn't choose me i chose you i appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. I love this passage because what does it mean to obey Jesus? We are to love God and we are to love our neighbors. We're to love other people. That is obedience to Jesus, to his commandments. That's how we remain in his love. So if you, like me, kind of chafe at the idea of obedience, know that that is what Jesus is calling you to do. Love other people and love the Father. And it's not easy to love other people. It's really not. It's easy to love the people that are easy to love. And it's hard to love the people who are hard to love. And a lot of that has to do with our own issues because... Other people might find the same people we find hard to love, easy to love. And a lot of that has to do with how we interpret other people and our interpersonal relationships and how we are as a person. This isn't an easy thing to do, but it is a beautiful thing to do. And we are told here, verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow our joy will overflow. It brings us joy to follow this commandment, to love other people. It brings us joy to be in the love of the Father and to focus on him and to obey him. It brings us joy to obey the commandments of Jesus. It fills us up. We, they know what we were designed to do. They created us. We can also worship God and how we talk about him and share him with other people. Do you talk about God with respect and adoration and devotion? Do other people sense that from you? That's another way you can kind of check yourself. I want to bring up one more example from scripture. And it has to do with how we can worship God through our focus, what we're focused on. This is Matthew 6. And a lot of times this passage is used to talk about money and it totally should be used for that. Um, But I want to use it to talk about focus and what our hearts care about. The context before the passage I'm going to read is Jesus is talking about genuine faith versus doing things for appearances. So he talks about like when people are praying out loud and they're doing it to kind of impress other people and when they're fasting to impress other people versus when you're doing those things out of genuine worship for God and genuine care for God. So that's kind of the context here. So Jesus goes on to say in verse 19: Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you will have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your Heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I'd like to start towards the beginning of that passage in verse 22, and it's talking about how our eye is a lamp that provides light for our body. I like the idea of the eye in that illustration because what our eye is fixed on or focused on matters so much. If our eye is fixed on light, that's what fills our body. If our eye is focused on darkness and dark things, sinful things, we let in the darkness. So what is the light thing that we should be looking at? It's God and his kingdom and our mission and role here on earth. It's Jesus and his sacrifice and what he's done for us. It's the Holy Spirit and how he works within us. It's focus on God. Devotion to God is what we are meant for, not the things we get obsessed with, like life circumstances. So it's listing out all these different things that we really get focused on, like eating and clothing and having enough of whatever. And those things are important. We need those needs to be met or else we literally cannot live. But the point of this passage is that God provides those things for us. We don't have to live in a state of worry. That doesn't mean we don't go out and try to make sure those things happen for ourselves. But it does mean that we don't have to sit there and obsessively focus our thoughts on those things. We can trust that God will provide them. And we can follow God's instructions for how those things will be provided. So if God tells you to go work and that work will provide money and that money will get you the things that you need to survive, that's great. If God has some other way for you, that's great. We don't need to be obsessed with how we get those things. God will provide those things for us. And if God will provide our necessities, he gives us these good gifts. He will provide so much more for us. He provides everything we need in order to fulfill our purpose on this earth. But we focus our eyes first on him and not on all the anxiety that we have. A lot of us have a lot of intense anxiety. I do struggle a lot with anxiety, definitely. And that doesn't mean it's easy to let go of the anxiety. But I do know this. If we focus on God, if we set our eyes on him, For me, it helps to relieve that anxiety. It doesn't mean the anxiety goes away. But when I refocus again and again and again on him, it is reduced. It does take a back seat because I know that God is trustworthy and I can put all of my weight, all of my concerns, everything on him. We have a caring God who knows exactly what we need. And we absolutely can ask him for help. There's a whole section in the next chapter, which is Matthew 7, that talks about how we can ask God for the things that we need and that we can ask God and request things of him and he'll provide those things for us. But we delight ourselves in him. Our hearts feel that delight in him and that brings us joy and that helps us to let go of the cares of this world. And then we'll struggle again and then we'll do it again over and over and over (laughs) We don't have to focus, obsess, and worry over circumstances and things that are hard. If we focus on God, His mission, His plan, our relationship with Him, it shifts so that we're looking at light things that fill us up and bring us joy. What we focus on reveals where our hearts are and what we treasure. What are you focused on? Where is your heart? Where is your devotion? And would you like that to be God? Food for thought, something to think about. So let's summarize here. What is worship? Well, worship, we said, was reverence. It's where our focus is. It is what we have respect and hold in the highest esteem. It is where our devotion and admiration lies. Why do we worship God? He is worthy of it. He is holy. He is the creator. He's the first and the last. And he is so good. And he wants to provide everything that we need so that we can let go and we can trust him because he is trustworthy. We are created to worship God. And then how do we worship God? We can rejoice in him. We can spend focused time with him. We can obey him. We can think about how we're talking about him and sharing him with other people. And we can examine where is our focus? Where does that lie? And can we increase our focus on him? Not just in Sunday morning church services, which is great as well. I'm not ragging on that or anything. But how can we do that throughout the week? How can we increase that? Because that will help bring us joy and fulfillment. That is where we get our value and our worth. That is where we feel truly ourselves. When we're in true alignment with the creator as the created. Not always easy, but it is always worth it. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about worship. Thank you so much that we can come to you in any state, wherever we're at, no matter where we're at, and you always take us in. You always accept us. Thank you that we can repent and let go of the things that hold us back and destroy our relationship with you and that the blood of Jesus covers us and that we are fully loved and fully seen as valuable in your eyes. Lord, may you increase our focus on you. May you increase our devotion and obedience to you. May you increase our capacity to love other people and to love you. And may we feel that joy and fulfillment when we genuinely are in relationship with you. I pray that you would bring to mind for every listener right now a way that they can increase their worship of you. And that that would just bring them so much joy and so much delight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.